Wow. I'll never drink another beer. Beer here. I'll take ten. Hello to all of our friends, especially those who are obsessively removing leaves from your yard, and welcome to the Canning Run Podcast. As always, I'm Tony. I'm Tom. And I'm Justin. Each week, we tackle a topic and ask ourselves this essential question, when did things go wrong for beer? Or did things go wrong for beer? This week, we're taking another break from that to discuss the tranquil and often colorful New England fall season. Welcome to the first annual Canning Run Podcast Autumnal Equinox Special. (laughs) Remember, we live in New England, and we tend to reference that often. Um, But we're celebrating this for your listening honor. Uh, If you hear anything that seems bizarre weird to you, uh, I want you to let us know by sending us an email at canningrunpod at gmail.com, and we could read it. We just might. Um, lastly, I think it's important everyone knows about our Instagram, so please search Canning Run Pod on your IG and give us a like and or a follow, which I think is what you do with Instagram. Yes, if you need some beer spiration, you know where to go. Beer spiration, love you. Nice. All right, boys, it's the fall. Leaves are falling. We're falling in love with one another here in my garage. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> Deeply gazing into your eyes. (laughs) Deeply gazing into mine and then Tom seeing if it's okay, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, when the leaves are changing colors and everything is beautiful and then everything dies suddenly, your emotions go on a uh, roller coaster ride, for sure. Certainly. There's a lot of cycling going in your mind, like doing well, maybe not so well, then back to well. And, and we're posts uh, moving the clocks back, so it's going to be dark in, like, I don't know, 20 minutes, and we're, like, <laughs> noon right now, so. Uh, and we've already had snow. Yeah. What? It's ah. not ideal. It was unexpected. Definitely. Uh, but very beautiful. Mm. It was. However, the snow covering the leaves on my yard <laughs> was not beautiful. No. It was a pain in the ass to do the Halloween special on that blizzard outside. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. We were freezing. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's important that when we talk about fall, we talk about pumpkins. Mm. Yeah, little, it's a uh, staple. It's a staple. Yeah. Some gourd action. Some gourd action. We talked a little bit about it in our Halloween special. Yeah. But I think it's important that we actually dive a little bit deeper into this. All right. So if you guys are cool with that, I'm going to read something to you about the history of pumpkin beers and how it's very specifically American and even more specifically New England. Take us away. Okay. Prepare yourselves, listeners. I'm reading uh, a webpage from drink.seriouseats.com. Okay, so this is a serious website about serious things. Far from being a modern invention of the craft beer scene, pumpkin beers have a long history in the U.S., Noted in Samuel Stern's The American Herbal, or Material Medica, published in 1801, name-checked pumpkin beers just after porters and ales. Stern's considered pumpkin beers especially healthful, noting, Different kinds of beer ale are often compared according to the prescriptions of the physicians, all of which, as well as pumpkin and bran beer, partake of the virtues of the ingredients put into such liquors. 
And before it was deemed a health tonic, pumpkin beer, with a popular component in cups of flip, sometimes akin to a cocktail that typically mixed rum, beer, and sugar, pumpkin beer and brown sugar were more easily found in America than their all malt and refined counterparts, so they became part of the go-to recipe. But the main reason pumpkin was added as a beer ingredient during the early colonial period was simply availability. Pumpkins were a native plant, one completely unknown to most Europeans during the 16th century. While good malt was not so readily accessible, fermentable sugars had to be found where they could. And in the first pumpkin beers, the meat of the pumpkin took the place of malt entirely. Indeed, the role of the pumpkin in brewing and as a means of general substance was a key subject of a satirical song, of a satirical song that has become known as America's first folk song, first written in 1643. I will not sing this to you, but just know it's great. <laughs> I think this could go on. However, I feel like having a conversation about this specifically would be much more enjoyable for us and our listeners. All right, so as someone who's not good at comprehending things first time hearing it, basically what I took away from that is they were using the pumpkins to replace the malt, right? Enti- yeah. Entirely. Pretty much entirely because there was no malt readily available for brewing beer. They need that fermentable sugar. The uh, the piece that stuck out to me was tying this back to our Halloween special. If you haven't listened, go... Uh, go check it out. Because you better get on that. The, yeah. uh, we talk a lot about the history of beer uh, in terms of how it relates to Halloween and, you know, the medicinal properties of that is something else that, that stood out to me in this, how it's, you know, there's there's health benefits uh, and how far we've come from that. So <laughs> uh, Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, right, it's crazy. Overall brewing from when brewing started, as we talked about in the Halloween episode, it was mostly meant to help people with their gut function and just as like a good brew to drink with food, something that promoted health to where we are now. It's interesting yeah. to see how far we've come. And that even in the colonial period, um, some of these beers were at least believed to have um, some medicinal value as well. It strikes me more as like a kombucha-like thing. Like how we think of kombucha is how they used to think of beer. Right. I don't know. That's just kind of what pops in my head, at least. I think that's wise. I think that's a great modern comparison. Well, I mean, I could. they weren't pasteurizing that kind of stuff back then. No, so. definitely not. So that so yeast like, is a lot. Like, right. So, you know, I mean, I, I think that's a good yeah. point to make. It's like, it's a lot more alive than like anything that you're buying off the shelf of like a, you know, domestic beer. Like, you know, some of these craft beers you can find that are, that do have live yeast in them still. And the cans explode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so something's changed because right. before things seemed to go very naturally and now cans explode in your cellar. Right. I have a question. Is, um, is there any sort of geographical association with where the pumpkin beer started, or is it basically just wherever they had pumpkins, they figured this out? I think since because when folks first came over here, at least when we really start talking about like the growth of America, it was in the New England region. Very cool. And because we know that pumpkins are native to this region, um, I think it would either be a New England style or kind of more towards the New York, New Jersey, because again, there mm-hmm. were establishments um, down in those parts as well. But I know for us, we grow a lot of pumpkins up here, and they grow very well. Yeah, easily, pretty yeah, much. Even yeah. with our like kind of colder climate than some of the other parts of the country. So I tend to think of pumpkins specifically as being more of a New England type of uh, squash. It's yeah. a hardy squash. It's yeah. very hard. It can hardy. survive those New England, well, not winters, but you know. 
Well, up until now. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, falls sure. are tough. And yeah. People go picking pumpkins in the fall. Absolutely. So. It, it is funny. Like, I mean, there has to be some sort of like, like genetic memory connection to pumpkins because like there is something about seeing a pumpkin like the people fl- just flock to you see a pumpkin patch you'll just see like moms and their kids and yeah. like everyone is there like and everyone's taking pictures of it <laughs> yeah and, like, posting those pictures it's like Why? some people go every year for that i yeah. actually i get a pumpkin most years we're fascinated by pumpkins as humans like there has to be something behind that how many things do you encounter that's natural that's like big and orange <laughs> that's a good point. Not you know what many. I'm saying? <laughs> I can't think of really anything. Like, no. I think of an orange, but that's the size of your hand. A pumpkin right. can be the size of your head, or, like, some of them can be... If you go, go, go to a, a state giant fair. Pumpkin, those produce yeah. contests, like, yeah. you can get some I, damn I, big pumpkins. I saw a 2,000-pound pumpkin at a, at a state fair, like, I two have, years ago. I've been very fortunate. I don't know, uh, for, for, the, for the listeners, and even for you guys, I grew up in Key, New Hampshire, okay? Uh, and when fest. I was growing oh, up, yeah. we had the pumpkin festival which was a festival devoted to jack-o'-lanterns. And it was like a big deal. And what was great about that is that every year they would have these towers of pumpkins all over the center of town. It was incredible. Tens of thousands of pumpkins lit up at night is like one of the most magical things you could ever see. But they would build these giant towers, right? With all the pumpkins on them. And always on the top of the tower was like a 200, 300 pound pumpkin jack-o'-lantern. Wow. And it was just, you could see it from like, everywhere because it was in the center of town it was like unbelievable that's like straight out of a movie it's insane literally halloween town yeah yeah (laughs) totally that's that's a good point yeah so like i don't know something about pumpkins are just very new england to me and and it's interesting that humans have found so many uses for pumpkins and and especially to like fulfill a need as with beer no access to malt all right to figure Throw this a pumpkin out. in there. Throw a pumpkin right. in it. That's incredible <laughs> that they knew, though, that there was, like, the natural sugars in there, and they could just sub, sub supplement that out. Yeah, to have that scientific understanding of the brewing process uh, when, like, you know, before the internet. Uh, <laughs> but, like, really, you know, there's so many, like, wild things that's just, like, I don't know, people had a better connection with nature back then, which I think really shows the, uh, you know, I don't know, the best display of why it's so interesting to us at least yeah yeah and why'd they choose pumpkins over other gourds yeah probably just there, there so must many have been, of them yeah i i guess because in the, in the in the article it says they're just very readily available okay so because it, it was there was so many of them um they could just have free access and it's just interesting that like they came here and they're like oh crap how are we going to brew our beer instead of saying we're not they're like we're going to (laughs) and we're going to use pumpkins so like (laughs) beer not being available is never on the table what's what's that saying that uh that desperation is like the mother of invention or something like that or if it's not i love that that. what you just said yeah let's go with it so it's very close something like that it might be a father of necessity or something like that I always assume they're talking about mamas. Okay. <laughs> Not daddies. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. If you know, please send us an email I'll, I'll look at, at I'll look it up canningrunpod right at gmail.com. Save your fingers for other stuff. I'll look this one up. Well, let's see if, we get, <laughs> see if we get an email before you look it up. All right. Because oh, this is live. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to check the email. Oh, look, there's none. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll go with Justin. Yeah. I. Uh, is it mother or father? We'll find out soon. Is it, are we lambasting women or men? 
in the uh, in the oh. oh here we go. Necessity is the mother of invention. So not uh, desperate desperation. I like desperation more in this case for yeah, them because they're no, like we need this we beer. Because beer. Uh, beer is food for them, but also it's like you're getting drunk off that shit. So you're killing two birds one stone. Let's figure this out. The totally brilliant. Most fun part about that is just with the probably like totally un controlled brewing practice like some batches could be like two percent alcohol and of course they never measure alcohol some could be eight and it just could get blasted that could be so fun yeah Yeah. absolutely just having no idea yeah going for it um speaking of pumpkin beers do you guys want to do a little bit of a game and also drink some pumpkin beers yeah always to do that well then Let's do a game. So, today we are going to do our first ever pumpkin beer blind face-off. Yeah, so tear your faces off for this face-off. Okay, we have two pumpkin beers in front of us. One labeled A and one labeled B. So, I'm going to read to you which beers we have in front of us. And obviously we don't know which is which. The first beer that is up is called Mother Pumpkin Ale which is from a brewery called Blue Point Brewing Company. The second beer is called Poker Face Pumpkin Ale by Opa Opa Brewing Company. I think it's really important for you guys both to know that I went to eight places to try and find a pumpkin beer on Halloween, and this was what I found. Trick or treat, you got tricked. I got tricked (laughs) real hard. And you know the biggest shock about my trick? What's that? I could not find one pumpkin head Anywhere that dude, that we talked about how Anywhere. popular that beer was. If you couldn't find it at eight places yesterday, I'm on Halloween. on Halloween. This goes back though to what we talked about: how everything seasons get moved up. Where like you could probably find Shipyard Pumpkinhead August, early August, and now you get to end of October and it's just gone because the bar moved on to like Apple your head. or yeah <laughs> or whatever. You know, there's like now there's. Christmas seasonal or holiday seasonal oh, beers. So there was just a like, lot of Christmas stuff out. Oh my oh, god! Oh, did, did we find Christmas bomb? No. Okay, I'll, we'll no, cut that I'll part. But uh, there was a lot of other things out there. It's already Christmas, so that was wild to me. And shame on me for waiting to Halloween. Um, but my God! Uh, so what you have in front of you was literally found at one at a grocery store and one at a liquor store, and this was everything I could find. So to go back again, our quest for today. We are going to smell the beers, drink the beers, talk about notes that we get from A and then B, and talk about which one we prefer and why, and then maybe try to guess which beer it is. So again, but can I add a visual element to this? Because just looking do. at it, I have a feeling that the Opa Opa is the see-through one. Interesting. Just, every beer That's, that I've drank from them. I, I totally agree, uh, but I didn't want to let that cloud my... Uh, okay. Oh, I'm letting... I'm sorry to... Let it cloud. Yeah. But. Well, <laughs> hey, it's for the part viewer. of the sensory experience. Yeah. Uh, for, not the viewer. You guys aren't seeing shit. But for the listener, I'll, we I'll have Mother bit. Pumpkin Ale by Blue Point Brewing Company, which is a, a brewing company I've never heard of. And then the second is Poker Face Pumpkin Ale by Opa Opa. So, um, boys, we can start with uh, cup A. All right. And so it's it's uh, slightly cloudy in appearance. Yes. Um. Uh, nice, nice little head on it that's left. This was poured a couple minutes ago, but like you know, the bubbles look nice and fine. The bubbles are fine. Smells like a fall beer. Could be a good really thing or good. a bad thing. Like sometimes, like like a good bread, you want to have some variance in bubble size. It smells a little bit like bubble gum. Smells smells pumpkiny. 
Yeah, I, I think I, it smells pumpy. I kind of get. I know what you mean by the bubble gummy, though. From that, it's kind of weirdly it is, similar. Yeah, it's like this, a. It's like a sweet pumpkin. Ooh. This smells like nostalgia to me. Just it brings me back to like uh, a beer fest we used to go to in the fall, and like right around this time actually, and probably had plenty of these beers. Or Have something you similar. tasted this? No, not yet. Cheers. God. Okay. Ex- excellent. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I like it. The bubble gummy is freaking me out. I also get some like light tobacco, which I don't know. Um, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that bubble gummy is a uh, like I, it, it tastes like bubble gum. I, I get it more on the nose than on the. In, I get it definitely more on the on taste. The, I got more pumpkin on the nose. Yeah, so but I'm I. getting very minimal pumpkin in it. But I guess what I'm used to, and, and this is where my brain goes to, is like a pumpkin head. Which is essentially like a pumpkin pie beer. Yeah, pumpkin More than spice. just a pumpkin yeah. ale. That's true. So maybe this is more geared towards like real a traditional pumpkin. with yeah. real pumpkin, yeah. which we also talked about last week, is more of a squash than like this like fake pumpkin pie e flavor. I get the the texture is kind of like a creamy pumpkin in terms of like, you know, you have like an autumn squash soup. Yeah. And you, you Absolutely. blend together a roasted ah, squash. Delicious. I kind of get that that texture. I like this beer. Um, I, I'm liking it more. I, I like it. Um, it's it's funky. I think I think it is a squashy thing though, more of a squash than a dessert pumpkin. Um, or at least that's I, I kind of agree with your tasting notes there. Bubble gummy for sure. Try to agitate it with air, like Tony you said have said uh, cupping like the coffee method where you yes. slurp it up. Uh, you get more pumpkin initially, but it does fade off into bubble gum. I just like that this beer doesn't give you a whole lot of like bad flavors. Like if you can handle that bubble gummy aspect of it. I mean, there are things to enjoy from this beer, especially the mouthfeel. It's really nice and soft. Like it's there is it's light. Yeah, it is. It's, it's not uh, boozy at all. I don't know. I I don't mind it. It would be really I'm good with things. A lot in. more when I first tasted it, I thought it was repulsive. I mm. thought it was really disgusting. And um, now, as you guys are talking, I'm enjoying it a lot more. Getting more pumpkin. It's it's, it's earthy. It seems more traditional. Yes, kind of. Earthy's great. Yeah. That's a really good. Yeah. Earthy's definitely. great. note. But not in your traditional, like, a lot of times when I say earthy, I think of oniony or literal, like, dirty dirt, yeah. um, which sounds weird. Uh, but it is more, like, it, it tastes squashy. It does. Like, it's... And, and I think it also has, like, when you when you taste, like, a more traditional ale, this, like, has the backbone of a more traditional ale to me. Definitely. You know? Like, if you just have a standard ale. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and maybe even to... more of, like, a European-style ale... As opposed to, like, something a little bit more modern. I'd be curious to know uh, what the grain is. Not that that would influence me at all, but... Uh, I looked on the uh, untapped profile for either, and I only have notes on one. So, I don't want to... More by grain, I guess I'm more curious what... Um, and especially because this is blind to us right now, uh, I'm, I'm more curious to know what the ratio is of, of pumpkin, which, you know, I'm not sure if they disclosed that anyway, but uh, especially learning that pumpkin was used as, instead of grain, at some point in time, I'm kind of curious to see, is this was this more of an add-on? Because this strikes me as more of a, like, you put a lot in the... Um, in the initial boil, like you put a lot of pumpkins in with with the grain, uh, and more so like that than an adjunct later on. I I would be interested in, in similar to you in what yeast they're using. 
it's Cezanne in a way. Yeah, that's that's yeah. why you know that bubblegum screams Cezanne to mm-hmm. me. And are they using, you know, like a, a Bretton Amicis mm-hmm. type blend to True. give more flavor to this? I don't know, but it's definitely interesting. Yeah. So I'm sorry if I'm overlooking the. But these these are beers that the pumpkin replaces the malt, right? These are true. T- we don't know. Oh, we don't know. Okay. So they're both pumpkin style. Gotcha. So when okay. I went in, I literally scanned every single beer trying to find something that said pumpkin on it. Gotcha. And both of these beers said pumpkin. One had a picture of a pumpkin on it. What? Unbelievable. Which is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, my guess would be that the pumpkin does not replace the whole grain build here just because I think logistically speaking to get enough pumpkins um, to one create a batch that you can distribute you know I could see a smaller brewery doing that on like a pilot batch but even then to scale that up uh, totally different kind of science behind that to start but I I just don't think it's realistic in today's day and age in in business in my limited research that that's true yeah there's only one or two that and, and I'm probably speaking out of just what I know but like from my limited research there was like one or two who really are still doing like a true to style early colonization type pumpkin beer than what most folks are doing now which is like adding pumpkin afterwards to get that flavor profile right which is which is like our biggest problem with beer is that they're yeah. getting, they're like at using adjuncts to get flavors that people used to get, and maybe maybe people never got those flavors out of pumpkin beers that they're getting with pumpkin adjuncts and spices now. But it'd be really interesting just to see what those beers were like. Interesting note on this also. I've noticed for me that cloves a lot of times come mm-hmm. across as bubblegummy. That's uh, cloves and yeah. cardamom actually. Interesting. Um, so I don't know. I I I think. Potentially, some of that bubble gumminess could be. There could be some. I'm sure there's some kind of spice. I'd be pretty surprised if there wasn't. And I think it could be one of those warm fall spices that. Yeah, um, is, I think that probably makes a lot more sense than a yeast, like Brett. Yeah, just, it doesn't really make sense with no. this type of. of, of I like beer. the idea of it, but. Yeah, and it seems like something you know someone like Oxbow would would do oh, just yeah. for the fun of it. Um, but I think for a more traditional type beer like this, I, I think you're right. It definitely tastes more like clove now that my palate's saturated than mm. it does bubblegum. Yeah, that's, that was a really good note. Yeah. Do we want to move on to beer B? Yeah, I'm going to save a little bit of A just to... <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Tiny, boy. <laughs> Tiny boy drank his cup. Um, B, very different in uh, appearance. In sm- the nose is like... For almost- you listeners, it's, a, it's an amber color kind yeah. of pretty clear it's very fall the nose is dead this is a filtered beer (laughs) yeah the nose is totally dead for me yeah i'm not getting much on this except for like kind of like artificial yeah like almost like artificial sweetener or like taro syrup i i know what you i'm honestly barely even getting that it's uh it's kind of gross yeah it it smells like a sweet yeah no i i I understand that i'm saying yeah like like high fructose corn syrup oh i'm not a fan of this at all Um, my oh. suspicion of it being Opo is confirmed. <laughs> wow, <laughs> this is definitely Opa Opa. They, um, not that Opa Opa makes totally awful beers, but uh, this oh is. Oh god, I can't even. It's I like can't. weirdly smoky. Does anybody else get that? Okay, that's the only redeeming aspect. Is yes, it does have a. But like, it doesn't work. I'm sorry. No, it like, I, us- I I don't love smoky beers. No. This isn't over the top smoke. I'm excited like, to try the smoked Mars. It's, it's I, I get less yeah. smoke and it it like almost. 
smells like warm pee. And it looks like it, too. Yeah, I'm not mm. trying to be gross here. Yeah, like, you, that's the vibe I get. If like, you concentrate on pumpkins, it's a mind over matter thing at this point. Because, I mean, if you concentrate on anything hard enough, like, you can you can almost trick yourself. But, like, you can you can kind of taste the pumpkin if you really concentrate on it. My, my suspicion is... But like a rotting pumpkin. The poor brewery that put this out. There's, like, six packs of this... Countless breweries sitting there like cold bottles of piss. No. Fucking doing nothing. This dude. screams big macro operation that like is trying to get into the market by selling something that they make at a macro level to to try and a, a, a pure craft. And yeah. that's what I got when I bought it. This is the one I got, and, and I'll give you guys some background info. Wait, so do you know A and B? No, I don't oh, know A okay. and B, but I know things you don't know, which makes okay. me much more able to make a, a di- distinction. Educated guess. Here's, yeah. here's two things I'm going to tell you that might sway your opinion and for the wrong way. So I, I'm ooh. hesitant in telling you. But okay. one, I bought the beer from Blue Point at a grocery store, okay? And it was in a 12-ounce bottle, like you would see like... A single. A single. Okay. okay. I bought the other at a liquor store, and it's a four-pack craft beer, small brewery, in a 16-ounce can. Which is your giveaway, and which is why I didn't want to tell you, but I don't feel that it's fair if this is a game for me to have information you don't also have. That's okay. I mean, yeah, you would have known based on the pore size alone. I knew exactly. <laughs> when, I knew exactly when it came out which was which because of the pore size, and that's I, I should have told Sarah, but I did not. Can that's you not reveal? On her. That's on me. Is the clearer one Opa Opa? No. No way, dude. See, all right, I apologize honesty, to Opa Opa. Yeah, we, we really need to. We need to send them a letter with all of us hand signing it. So what I, I kind of like. I haven't had Opa open a long time, uh, but what I did before I was even into craft beer, like I kind of liked. Yeah, so it was fine. In, in my initial thought was they're big enough, and people know Opa Opa. They can't put out shit like this. They can put out like a weak right. pumpkin beer. That's, they can put out weak beers in general. So wait, yeah, we, which this is a weak beer. It's a weak pumpkin if beer. If this was up against any of the pumpkin beers that I wanted to get, like Dogfish Head Pumpkin, right. mm-hmm. or uh, uh, Brooklyn Brewery, their pumpkin ale, or even Pumpkin Head. Avery Brewing Pumpkin? Yeah, or Avery pumpkin. Brewing Pumpkin. Like, it wouldn't have been... It would have been like, these are trash, and those are... Yeah. Like, you know, so. I I hear you, but next to this one... I mean, it's like a subtlety thing where, like, less is more. And, I mean, next to this other beer, I mean, it's obviously way better. But I wish I had asked you guys before. And I guess you kind of already said that you thought, like, the, the worst one was Opa Opa. Well, I'm glad I was wrong. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I I feel bad, though. <laughs> no. This Don't is... feel bad. It was me who was shitting on Opa Opa so much. <laughs> so I apologize. So, I mean, we talked about notes. Which do you guys prefer? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Cup A, I a. believe. A all day, bay, bay, And, and bay. guys, uh, for the listeners, we're not going to go into beer B because it's really just not worth our time. It's, it's just, not. It's really kind of gross. Can, who makes it, though? Just so I can avoid them at all costs? We'll have to We'll have to look for sure, okay? Because okay? I have to go and get the cans. Okay. Um, but I'm pretty sure that I know that beer A is Poker Face Pumpkin Ale from Opa Opa. Cool. And beer B is Mother Pumpkin Ale from Blue Point. Um, Blue hold on, Point. guys. In, in part of this... Um, and when we talk about how there's certain mass-produced breweries that try to put pumpkin... I feel like a lot of them try to put out a pumpkin ale to try to reach an audience that doesn't really drink beer. And we've kind of gotten to the point where, unfortunately, it's become basic 
to drink anything pumpkin. Yeah. Uh, which sucks because especially when you learn about the roots and the history behind it all. But like this is clearly, especially clear uh, beer B is a clear attempt to try to rope in like the basic Beckys. Uh, quoting Prairie, uh, especially there, but uh, to rope them in and sell them a beer that's seasonal, and it's kind of a cheap way to just sell shitty beer. Yeah. Is, is there a date on the bottle? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, uh, just so everyone knows, beer A is Poker Face Pumpkin Ale by Opa Opa, which is a craft brewery in Massachusetts, and beer B was the Mother Pumpkin Ale from Blue Point, which, um, if you look at this, like, this literally looks like a six-pack that you would get oh, yeah. in, in a grocery store or in a place that's, like, paid purposely to be in your line of sight so yeah. that you pick it up because you don't know any better. You're just like, oh, it's a pumpkin ale. Uh, Blue Point, I'm pretty sure, because it, it rang a bell, but I wasn't positive. Back in my peak untapped days, I believe Blue Point was, like, sponsoring shit on untapped. And, like, there were badges you could get on Untapped if you drank a Blue Point something. <laughs> and, I like, and it, this just makes sense now. Yeah. It's just, like, it, you're it's the kind of brewery together. that's just, like, trying to rope people into shitty beer on Untapped. And yeah. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm right, though. You're right. This is this is the beer that they, This is like, mass marketing. Yeah. At its worst. Yeah. Versus, and here's the description from either place. Poker Face Pumpkin Ale. This American-styled pale ale was brewed with fresh pumpkin. It is unfiltered and has subtle pumpkin and spice, cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, and molasses undertones. So this was... Oh, God, I cannot read that. Uh, unknown when this was <laughs> bottled because their, uh, their, their canner tastes- is... Deplorable. I didn't. I was. I wasn't really curious about that one because it tastes good. I'm curious about the other one because it tastes. Abysmal. This one was bottled, 2017. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh, never mind. This is a Best Buy date. Okay. Okay. Well, what's the I Best Buy date? The Best Buy date is January 18th, 2021. Oh my These, god! That's the kind of beer though that I feel like could could sit on a shelf for a really long time and it's going to be shitty in the same no matter what because it is so fake. It's not even, like, there's no even real adjuncts to fall out. Well, do, do you want to hear how fake it is? Yeah. yeah. Let's, this is described, this is sold as a malt beverage yeah, not brewed even, with pumpkin and spices. Oh my god, get the I hell hate out you. of here. Yep. This is definitely, honestly, this is the worst beer we've drank on the podcast. Uh, this is the worst beer we've drank on the podcast and I knew it and I felt really bad. <laughs> no. When I bought it, I was like, this beer is going to be the worst beer we drink on the podcast. I think, it's a, I think it's a great look to be honest, to a, a great view into what what's uh, wrong, what some, what's wrong with the, with yeah, the what's big wrong, ones. Yeah. and and it's just like Blue Point is a shitty brewery. Let's call it for what it is. I've barely had any beer from them because you know what, it probably tastes like this. But to see, it's all a you know a, they put on this pumpkin ale face to try to sell to people that don't really know anything. And it's not about beer. It's about, I mean, it's a malt beverage. Like, right. yes, beer is a malt beverage, but like when you're not even titling your, it. yeah, you're not even saying like this beer, you're saying this malt beverage. It's just yeah. like, what is not in that beer that makes it not a beer then? Because <laughs> if it was a beer, they call it a beer. Yeah. So like one of the four crucial elements, what is it? Grain, Hops, water, and yeast, I believe. They're lacking probably probably hops, in all honesty, right. because that costs money. It's expensive. Um, so I mean, it's a, tur- it's a turd in sheep's clothing. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's in a beer bottle. Yeah. It says it's a brewery, and they're selling you liquid feces. If you, if you look at this, this was labeled to you as a beer, correct? Totally. 
It's in a brown bottle glass. This is a very traditional way to sell beer. If for any of those people who like Sam Adams, they sell all of their beer in this way. However, Sam Adams does brew their beer. Which is why it's it is quality. Now, right, it's, it's not yeah. marketed quality, but yeah. it is a well-made beer. Absolutely, and, and they're killing it in the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> they have, they have, oh my god, yeah, yeah. Well, look at that chart. I mean, good for them. Their models worked, and it's worked for a long time now. So, yeah. and 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 I think it kind of goes back to, it's. I hate to look at mass marketed with a, and and discredit them because like we all drink Miller Lights, uh, Sam Adams is a good brewery. Like, yeah, I don't consider it the, yeah, they kind of define what's craft and, you know, change the, change the definition so they can still call themselves a craft brewery. Yeah. I don't love that. I don't love that at all. But having said that, they brew pretty good beer. They do. Yeah. I mean, they hold a lot of power too. Right. Which is why they're able to constantly push that boundary of what a microbrewery really is. Like they, influence those decisions quite often so every time they get to that point where they can brew another 200 barrels 500 barrels thousand barrels or whatever even is like they get that specific number changed to meet their threshold and that to me is a little bit of uh it's a bit of a lie it's deceiving it's deceiving to folks who really think that what they're that what they're drinking is from a very small place because when you hear micro you think small yeah and they still brew a small amount of beer in the grand scheme of like what places like AB and Bev can yeah, produce. Exactly. Okay. However, it's a bit misleading. It, it totally is. And it's not, it's not just that they have the, um, the reputation of Sam Adams to fall back on, which is obviously, you know, a respected brewery, but now they own a lot of major brands in the alcohol. Like they own truly. Yeah. They own, um, well, they partnered with Dogfish head, yep. I think. So, um, yeah, I think it's Dogfish. Yeah, they bought yeah. Dogfish. They, they bought actually, them, so they acquired. Is, but just think of that—that's a big move. That's because a huge Dogfish move. is one of those craft breweries that I put in the yes. like Sierra Nevada Stone category, where it's like you can get it anywhere in the country, but like it's this like is a it's legacy, legacy quality, yeah. good shit. Yeah, yeah, I agree absolutely. And and I mean, they're those IPAs that they had. I mean, really, not as as relevant now with the New England IPA, but those. Uh, what like sixty minute, ninety minute IPAs? Those those were kind of game changers for yeah. a while. Yeah. yeah, and they're things that you can drink widely, but they're like so good. Yeah, and for me, when I think Dogfish Head, I think of like some of like like have you guys ever had Raison Dextra? Amazing. Which no, is I like haven't. it's like a brown ale, but it's like a sixteen or eighteen percent brown ale because it's Ooh, like it's age like it. aged yeah. and like it's incredible. I'm pretty sure when you buy that bottle, it's aged like two or three years already. Yeah. It's oh, really, yeah. It's really cool. good. I've had some that are aged even pe- further yeah. from that bottle date. So it's just like, oh, and, my God. And you I can, have one in my nice. basement right now. I, I want to drink it with you guys Let's right now. Let's drink it. <laughs> um, do we, so so I, I think final conclusions on this. We definitely need to send a, an apology letter to Opa Opa, and we definitely need to, as a podcast, <laughs> not endorse uh, Blue Point, Blue Point <laughs> Brewing Company, and, and as an apology to Opa Opa, I will make it. I will get another Opa Opa beer to bring onto this onto this podcast, and I will go into it much more open mind. I mean, honestly, I like that beer a lot. When we're talking about pumpkin ale, like pumpkin beers, pumpkin ales, whatever you want, whatever style it is that has pumpkin in it, sometimes I think subtle is best, and that really that I think that had it. 
Yeah, it's the kind of beer that you can, and what I look for a lot is what you can kind of, what's drinkable. Yeah. It was drinkable. It had some interesting notes. I don't know if it's my cup of tea or a pint of beer, but it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it has a squashy flavor. I don't know if I love that, but knowing what I think the style is, it makes sense, and it was drinkable. So and, that's and kind of what I look for. And knowing the alternative of B. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes it shine. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like, B is so bad, it makes it makes that Opa Opa beer, like, turn into a great beer in comparison. B is so bad that we, we've we already talked too much. Like, we they don't deserve the, yeah. the time that we've given them already. Yeah. <laughs> That's how bad it no was. No blue point on the Canning Run podcast. No. no. Ever again. Ever again. Um, do we think we should get this share a-going? Yeah, let's yeah, do let's it. Yeah, let's kick it next off. beer. All right, next beer. Uh, the next beer we have is Oktoberfest Marzen, an authentic Bavarian festival lager by Eyinger. 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 Yeah, Eyinger, yeah, and they're out of Germany. Obviously, it's an authentic Marzen, so it's got to be right, something like that. Yeah. And uh, I just want to read this because it made me laugh when I when I saw the bottle. It says brewed according to the Reinheitsgebot purity law of 1516. So this has some this has some history tied to it. This that is means a, this beer was brewed true to style with the intense laws of brewing lagers back in the 1500s. And I think that's <laughs> I think that's probably makes this the like the oldest true to style beer that we've had on the podcast we're, yeah. we're making all sorts of firsts on this, on this episode today <laughs> worst beer oldest beer no I, uh, I think it's really cool and I'm, I'm so excited to start with like um, I've never had style them yeah I've never had one you've I've never had an Oktoberfest uh, mostly they're like sold as Oktoberfest now in America okay. but really what you're, you're drinking is either a Marzen or a Marzen beer or a Fest beer Okay. Well, I don't think I. Well, I know I've never had an authentic Marzen from Germany. Okay. That's that's well, all. I don't I know. thoughts. No, if I have either, uh, it smells sweet on the nose, mm. uh, which is, and I, I think I've had, of course, American versions. I don't know if that's still considered a Marzen. It probably is. It's not like you know as pretentious as Lambic needs to be brewed in the Lambic Valley or whatever. But uh, it, it's very sweet smelling. Uh, it smells like you know a, a lager. Except yeah. sweet, um, so like a more like robust grist sweetness on the nose, almost like sour in a way. It's not, it's not an artificial sweetness. It's, no, uh, which is very kind genuine. of the, yeah. And uh, I don't know. Have you guys taken a, an initial sip? Yeah, my yeah. first sip was really enjoyable, and I got some candy that I can't think of. It, like, almost like is, a tootsie roll. I mean, ooh, a tootsie pop. Ooh, ooh. We got to drink beers like this all the time. <laughs> it's, this is funny because years ago, I remember we saying when we were first starting, probably you know a little while into our beer shares, and would be super intimidated by the European beer styles yeah. in in the at Julio's, and be like, someday we'll learn about these. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like now we're just like just give them to us. That's all we want. Well, you, well you're that's a that's a really good point because every time I go to a nice liquor store they will always have a nice a nicely presented and a nicely organized European beer section if it's a respectable liquor store and I never have the balls to really stand there take a look at everything because I don't know enough about I know nothing about them yeah. about the European styles I mean, and you guys know a little bit about lambics it's more yeah. that I know a little know. bit about spontaneously fermented beers that style was European I don't know the the what what's good and what's not Okay. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, I think it's that, and yeah. it's also yeah, exactly. It's like we understand like the American beer culture, and like, and it's basically like, it's almost 
like going to if there were two stores right next to each other and one was like a fine chocolatier that had like fine salted nuts and like the best chocolate in the world but then you had like an American candy store right next door that's like the European where the beer <laughs> what? where the Snickers yeah here's Snickers <laughs> and uh but it's basically you know the European beer it's it's like you. it takes more effort to find what you need whereas if you just go to the American candy store which is the American beer craft beer store at this point it's like you're just gonna see so much more things that sound that appeal to your like lizard brain where it's like like yeah. milk stout aged in waffles or something yeah, like and because everything we've lost subtlety exactly in the US. We that's have lost like that's an subtlety. american problem that's it, not absolutely. necessarily like a world problem but that's what i'm saying no exactly so like they still have that subtlety but because it's subtle and we don't give it the time to learn those subtleties we just ignore it yeah you basically ignore it you're basically yeah. you're basically like uh, i see like a I see a Jackie O's stout right over there and like I identify with that more because you know my beer perspective is largely shaped by the pastry boys and all those yeah, I, I think yeah. that makes a lot of sense I mean like these beers are like marketed to us very specifically because of you know and we've talked about this time and time again like I, f- I feel like what really sells right now in the American palate is sweetness and like of course you're going to try to make things as sweet as possible so you can get as much sold as possible but for something like this where really the brewing style is it it takes the forefront it's absolutely it's very enjoyable yeah i think uh the sweetness kind of throws me for a loop a little bit uh and that's just personal preference i think because when i have these german style lagers a lot of times this is I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but I'm just not a... Sweets don't do it for me. I, I like a drier finish, so... Uh, and it's not an overly sweet. To even compare this to a sweet American beer would be... Yeah, uh, it's apples and oranges. It's absolutely apples and oranges. Totally different, so... But I, I understand what you're saying. It's like a malty sweetness. It, yeah, it's just... Like the, the grain sweetness sweet is like... sweet grain water. Yes, like, it's sweet grain water, but there's also, like, some aspects in there, I think, of, like, subtle dried fruit. Yeah, no, yeah. I, yeah, the first sip for me was... Yeah. It was like a mix of uh, like a red Tootsie Pop and um, something else. But Interesting. I wonder what dr- dried fruit has similar notes to a red Tootsie Pop for you. I don't I don't know. You know, if it would be like a dried cra- like raisin. A, I, I almost it, called it a dried craisin. A craisin. <laughs> or like a raspberry or like a plum or something else like that that gives you like those similar like sweet characters but also like fruity. Yeah. And, and kind of just getting back to how like these beers are they're sold more on like the history and the the true to style aspect of these beers they're not they're also not marketed the same way like when you go i mean there is marketing when you go to a liquor store of like the can art or the bottle art or whatever these beers are very like neutral simple it's very simple like because and these people don't care about the art which i i mean i like good can art but if you if you have good can art in a beer that's shit, it it doesn't mean anything. It distracts you from the actual beer yeah. because we've everything in America has taken uh, distracts you from the actual brewing arts these days. Not everything, yeah. not everyone, just like what's mainstream. Well, it's a yeah. lot of like tools of the industry to try and like draw you towards getting their product because there's so many New England IPAs out there to choose from. So it's like, how do we get a leg up? Yeah. If we don't have that name recognition of a treehouse of a trillium of another half, we got to have that cool can art so it gets your eyes right there. 
and we also have to do our best within a distro model to get our beer put at that eye level or about eye level so that we're really selling things um and that's an interesting part of like what i think we take for granted a lot of times of like how much goes into trying to get us to purchase that thing versus something else yeah but that's completely gone with the you know the label that i'm looking at at least for the back of this bottle and the front i mean it's it's beautiful it's it's, it's just simple it's, it's simple. green yeah. tells you probably all you need to know yeah i mean it has like a, a picture that probably represents the province or whatever it's called in germany that this is made it also elicits no expectations yeah, I wonder if this That's was... That's a great point. Like, that fucking bottle with the giant pumpkin on it, for it to taste the way it did, that is a fucking crime. <laughs> That's... They should be prosecuted. I am sending a... <laughs> I am calling the police right now. If you, It's funny that you say that, because I think in a lot of times, and we talked in our... I know in our Halloween special about all the cogs in the machine that drives breweries and business, but in the part we focused on was can art and, and label art, so... It's interesting just because you have, it's a lie a lot of times where it's just like you, you got to catch the eye, catch the attention of the consumer, but it's just for nothing because it's like it's for a bad beer. And a lot of times I've had so many bad beers that I just see because I, I get because it has a cool label. And if I didn't know that I now kind of associate showy labels with bad beer. I, which I is think that's crazy a great point. just yeah. because like the prairies of the world which we talked about have like really cool can art um but it's you know they have the beer that backs it up so i think that's why i differentiate them but interesting thought there yeah i think that's interesting and 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 just for the exact opposite going back to this label again it really gives you nothing it's not trying to sell you anything it's just here's our beer here's the style yeah it, it's it's more it, it's it's not trying to it's not trying to sway you with anything. It's more of like them celebrating their history. Like it has like a picture of what I assume is probably where they brew the beer. It's like a little yeah. drawing of two barns and like a lighthouse type looking thing. Yeah. Again, as I was saying, probably where yes, where it is that it's brewed. Right. And technically, if we're talking about Marsen specifically, often they're brewed in like the Bavaria region of um, Germany. Yeah, and and even this uh, this little insignia on the back. I mean, it's just. Yeah, I mean, not not to harp on the label. It's a lot more European. It's like it's like right. here's our crest, you know, almost right, like here's exactly. what we're selling you. It's like mm-hmm. our that's lineage. Yeah. Our lineage is what we're selling you, and that's yes. kind of cool. That's really interesting, especially when we're drinking a beer that you know was originally brewed back in the 1400s and now. Yeah, this reminds me of a corn lager, a little more robust. Okay, um, and I think I've only had the only one I can think of was a corn lager I had at Trillium. Uh, it was one of the permutation series, uh, and when we put it on draft, just like every employee, when we have our shift board, shift beer at the end of the shift, just like drained that keg because it was really good. <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of like the sweetness, so I associate this with like a sweet corn kind of. Mm. It's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I completely understand what you're saying with that like note, but that would be very anti rules of Germany to brew with corn. Oh really? Oh yeah. Wow, I <laughs> would, know nothing. Would, yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. Well, well, here's the thing. Let's kind of talk about some of the history of Oktoberfest because it's kind of good for us thinking about the fall season. Oktoberfest is a huge part of beer culture when we think about fall. You know, September into that first week of October is a big festival for a very interesting reason. You guys want to hear about it? I mean, I've seen the movie Beer Fest, but you can tell me more. Then you know it all. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, specifically, the origins of Oktoberfest started in 1810. 
Um, so on October 12, 1810, the crown prince Ludwig, who later became Kid L- King Ludwig I, married the princess Teresa of Sassania Hildenburghausen. <laughs> <laughs> All of the citizens of Munich were invited to attend the celebration held in the fields in front of the city gate to celebrate the happy royal event. Since then, the fields have been called Teresa Weiss, or Teresa's Meadow, in honor of the princess, shortened to Weizen. The closing ceremony at the Theresen Weiss included a horse race, a veritable feast for the whole of Bavaria. The following year, the decision to repeat the horse, race, the horse races gave rise to the origin of the Oktoberfest tradition. It is here that the history of the Oktoberfest begins, the annual celebration that since then punctuates the life of Munich in Germany as a permanent and punctual fixture, except on 24 occasions when it was canceled due to wars or epidemics. I guess this would be either the 24th or the 25th. Wow. Damn. Yeah. So interesting that we're living in a time of such history. Um, but that's the backbone of why they celebrate what's cool about this is not just that they they celebrated you know um singularly right it was like this was a very um clearly positive person who the whole community stood behind and they celebrated with them as a community yeah so that's why a lot of food and a lot of really good beer is consumed during this time because it's a celebration um and that's the background of the oktoberfest that's why it's celebrated today kind of cool I love yeah. that it, uh, I think it was 1810, you said? 1810. I, I really like that we're diving into the roots today. Just got to say that. You know, like this uh, beer that we're drinking right now, uh, used, you know, by laws set in 1519. And yes. pumpkin beer yeah. started, and I think, was it 1809? I forget what year you said, but it was in the early 1800s. Uh, in- pumpkin beers was more colonial, so when co- colonies first established in... The United States, which was the 1500s, 1600s. Oh, yeah, yeah, wow. Send us an email yeah. because uh, we don't know our history, and that's yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it it's great to hear the roots and how so much of this was a celebration in celebrating community. Hmm. Uh, I appreciate that. I like that. Well, it's, it's funny how, like, every time we do one of these, like, deep dives in the history of, like, beer, like, that's always something that... Uh, is associated with beer as like this community aspect or like the idea that beer is a gift that kind of brings people together. Like the whole, all these gods that all these um, medieval people worship that, I mean, each of these civilizations had their own gods for beer, whether it's Nkasi or something else. Like they all held beer in this spiritual it's an important basically. part of life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and, it, and it continues from even some of those early times into like 1810 into now. And I think all of those civilizations or societies or states are all different. But what's the one thing that's the same? The beer. It's the beer. And, it's and the beer the is the epicenter is of that community. Yeah. It's the beer that really like makes life thrive it's beer that really brings people together whether it's in a family dynamic or all of munich in the the region of bavaria and germany and now the world because people celebrate oktoberfest everywhere i'm not sure if we've ever talked about this and this is a big leap so i apologize if it's totally off like out, out of left field but i wonder if people's connection in this community aspect of beer comes from like 
you know, they say there's like a big link between your like gut bacteria, your, like your microbiome and like your brain. Yeah. So like if everyone's on this, if everyone's consuming the same live cultures, like that's all going in your gut bacteria. Like I wonder if there's just some like un, uh, un like it's some intangible benefit that comes from everyone having some sort of the same microbiome i don't you know it sounds ridiculous but like i I mean i've i've definitely like there are documentaries that are made that state like beer saved civilization you know like and that it was an accident that someone left out some some grain and it rained and then time happened and there was some fermentation and they ingested that felt the healing properties if that's how they believed it or some of the intoxifying qualities and that's like that was how it started and then it turned into a practice and that's when it was adopted into you know the family dynamic but i think there might be something to that right like if all of us are ingesting the same thing it brings us again just more similarities right i think also it's just the relation to what people put in their bodies and health back then yeah makes was a lot different than it is now where it's just like the shit we put in our bodies right is disgusting it doesn't so much of the time yeah it doesn't promote promote health health. no not at all so i think you know overall you know if you you look good you feel good if you feel good you play good yeah Yeah. that's true it it goes back to like when things were a lot more like natural you know like Back when they actually brewed things with natural things. Now we're talking about malt beverages with pumpkin and spices, you know? There's the aspect of society that we're, like, consuming these things that are made from things that they aren't truly made from. You yeah. Know, they're, they're processed in a lab somewhere. We so have- it just makes sense that we're filling our bodies full of these toxins when... When people in the past were filling their bodies full of these delicious marzen. Yeah, it's great. Right. That was like made from like natural things from Bavaria. It's, right. it's sad because it's kind of a microcosm for society where like you look That's at fair. all the, the processed foods and, and shit that we that we eat. Uh, regularly, and that's and that's what I hate about beer culture falling into that trap. I know because this was the one pure thing, and right. this is why we this is why we started this podcast of where did things go wrong, mm. and it's because beer culture started to it was this super pure thing like a handful of years ago now, and it's just been this slope downwards into like you know really just catering to like the gross American culture and to me it's like exponential it's like exponential curve where it's it's an exponential curve where you're you know beer throughout history it's like oh it's like all natural it's like all like healthy yeast and then and then it's like oh yeah okay we're gonna start introducing sugar and then like in the past five years it's like boop it's just fucking exponential just exploded I, I think there's like a very and this is just my opinion like a very big connection between like when beer was consumed from a community standpoint together to 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 individually like yeah. i yeah. feel like once people started using beer specifically like when they got home to like unwind or when people started like and this was made way worse uh in in the current craft boom of like everyone having to get stuff for them so that they had it you know i think like this notion that like beer is an individual thing is really what kind of like makes it not good anymore or not healthy or not enriching you know like what i love about us is that we try so often to make beer about the community again about us about friendship about like growth but i see a lot of society using beer in different ways totally agree and and i mean including myself when i'm not with you guys yeah like and and among 
among us, like when we first got into craft beer, like I obviously tried to share most of the beers I got, but like I, I kind of had this like idea that like I'm not gonna drink a shitty beer like by my, even by myself. Like I'm gonna drink a good beer by myself because I I don't I don't know why I thought that, but I was thinking about this the other day. It's like there are so many beers that I wish I had with you guys that I just like wasted one night on myself in my basement, like watching like. Well, I've done the same thing. Yeah, yeah, like watching some dumb, mindless thing. I get to the point where I have no beers left. I want a beer. It's been a stressful week. Yeah. I'm going to go and open that thing I probably shouldn't have opened by myself. But do you know, you know what I keep on hand now for nights like that? I try to keep like a four-pack of like Founders Breakfast out. Ooh. It's the perfect Good happy choice. medium Ooh. of like a beer that you can find, but a beer that feels like something. That beer is so perfect. It's so good. I talk, oh I've probably God. talked about it before. but Can I can I give you guys one more fact about Oktoberfest? Yeah, absolutely. Did you guys know that there's only six breweries initially and even to today that were allowed to brew beer for Oktoberfest? The Oktoberfest? That's insane. In Munich? It's still six. I don't know if that's still the case okay. now, but I know initially, and it might have expanded at some point, but initially it was Augustiner, Hacker, Schwor, Hofbrau, Lowenbrau, Polliner, and Spotten. Okay. Those were the oh, original okay. six. So I feel like I haven't heard of the first four, but the last two, the Polliner and the Spotten, I have heard of in, in America. I've had Spotten before. I didn't realize that it was like that authentic, authentic of a German style. Like, yeah. in all honesty, I had it when I was blasted in college. I don't know how I even ended up with them. Dude, that's wild that you ended up with that of all things I in know. college. That's absurd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, what? I remember you, you, you having it. You were I, probably like, this beer sucks, man. No, I, <laughs> no, I, I, I Yeah, it was... I don't... I, do you remember it? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. And it's actually really funny because it was, it was like a sophomore year, not that I'd ever drink underage, but if I did, it was sophomore year. And, uh, <laughs> and we ran out of beer and like somebody who was of age... Uh, Went to the packy and like someone way too probably cool. shouldn't have. Yeah, someone way and too came cool back to be with a six guys. pack. Like who comes back with a six pack of a spaten? But like, and I like, who is what? this? Who is this man? We and have where to find is out who this person is and be like, can you tell us your way of life? It was uh, it was our friend Max's cousin. Uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, so of course they're directly and, and they're so like yeah. Shout out to our friend Max. Your yeah. friend Max looks German. Oh, he's very German. His last oh, I, I would <laughs> say his last name, say but we shouldn't say his last yeah, name. But right. he's exceedingly German. Well, that's cool. Then he's blonde hair, blue eyes, the whole deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But a very sweet German. He would be a yeah. Yeah. he'd be a preferred person. Yes. In a given time. <laughs> uh, next beer. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I gotta pee. <laughs> All right, next beer is a lot of German that I can't really read, um, but I believe the. <laughs> <laughs> I he believe, believes it. I believe the brewery is the uh, Schlenkerla, which I think is actually maybe a style, just a classic smoked beer. But I'm just gonna try to read this the best I can, so bear with me. Uh, Eight. Excellent Florla Roche beer, right? Which is a Martin uh, or a Martin beer, uh, but this one is interesting because this is a smoked version of the Martin. So they're uh, e- a e c h t h original Schlenkerla Martin smoke beer, considered the classic example in the category. 
has, thank God it's in English now, has been brewed for centuries in the Baroque town of Bomberg in Franconia, so Bavaria slash Germany, uh, following the most ancient malting traditions. All its selected barley malts are kilned over a fire of beechwood logs at the Schwernkerla Maltings. <laughs> brewed, in, <laughs> brewed in classic copper vessels and matured for months in 14th century cellars, H. Strinklunkerla Rauch beer is a truly unique smoky beer experience. As one of the last traditionally made smoked beers, H. Shrilankerla Roach Beer is a passenger in the Ark of Taste by Slow Food. I think that whole bottle is just a way to make you say that a hundred times. Who wants to hear me say that again? So it's just, I I get that it's a smoked Mars and that's about it. (laughs) Yes, uh, for those who are listening, it is a traditional smoked. So the difference is, is that the normal Martin is not smoked, but this is a very traditional smoked Martin. Okay. Okay, so... It's very specific to Bomberg, who, who does weird things with Beechwood. This smells, uh, like, perfectly smoky. Yeah. I, it it smells like you're, you're standing around a bonfire on a, on a cool autumn night, <sighs> and, uh, you know, you're crushing a few beers. It's, I'm really scared. It has, like, some bacony aspect, which I like, but it, it reminds me of another smoked beer... That uh, I'm gonna look that up. You guys, talk, I'm gonna f- figure out what beer I'm thinking of. So I'm gonna drink this, but I'm scared of it because I do not usually do very well with smoked beers or smoked anything. Just ask my wife. I hate smoked artificial. When you overuse artificial smoke, it's really bad. And I've gotten a lot of most beers. I remember having a, a smoked stout. I believe it was from Other Half. I forget what it was called, and it was shitty because. It was just artificial smoke, and it doesn't. There's no character where I like the idea of this because when you're smoking, actually like burning and smoking this grain, it adds more of a robust smokiness, of course, but really opens also, up those flavors. It also make it makes it extremely specific to you when you do it yourself with your right. own, with your own beechwood from like yeah, Bamberg, absolutely Bavaria, Germany. You're not going to the grocery store and buying a couple bottles of liquid smoke and pouring it in the no, beer. No, no. And and like that's I think that's what saves this for me because I have tasted it is that it tastes like a smoked beer which is hard for me to work through to be honest right. with you. That's fair. Um, cuz it's so pervasive of a flavor, but it's not sickening to me because it doesn't taste like just liquid smoke fake crap. It's um I couldn't drink a lot of this. No, Having I'm, said that, I actually I really like it. I just don't think I could drink a lot of it. It's the smokiness kind of sweet cuts the sweetness that we saw in the first Marzen, um, but the smokiness is there. It's uh, it's a real thing. It's a flavor that you have to be kind of accustomed to. I don't know who would want to, and this could just be a cultural thing. You know, I'm not. I don't really want to sit down. Like, that's a decent-sized bottle. It looks like it's 16.9 ounces. One point. Uh, okay. Point nine fluid ounces. Yep. Okay, yeah, so, you, um, you know, it's that's a solid, solid beer. I don't want to drink that much of it. I, I, I don't think it's bad. I think it's more of a personal preference thing, though. I definitely think it's a personal preference thing because I'm really struggling with it. I will say we pulled this right out of the fridge, and I don't know if this intensity of smoke we'd have if it was a little bit more warmed, if some of that grain character would come out, which would make it a little more balanced. Because right now, for me, I'm getting just a whole lot of smoke. Yeah. That's uh, a quick thing before you jump into it, Jay. Uh, it's 
I do get it, it does taste like smoked grain to me and not just smoke though which yes, I do appreciate which, so which like it is there I hope it comes out more as it warms but uh well I so I couldn't find that smoked beer that I was thinking of but okay. this to me this does a much better job of of getting a smoky flavor which I don't hate I agree with Tony it's like there's and I agree with what you said Tom like you can't drink a whole bottle of this for sure but like can you imagine having little sips of this between like a nice like bacony cheese or something like dude this with food would probably this this with food would probably be sublime yeah and this is and this is actually another great point of how we and this is just my opinion on what could have happened how we've come away from the true idea of beer yeah where it's this occasion and of course we sometimes have food with our beer shirts we sometimes don't we often don't think what to pair it with no Um, sometimes we have donuts yeah exactly <laughs> uh, so who knows what's next but uh, uh, you know I think it's it, it could go with some uh, I think a nice like hearty meal like or a beef stew or something even yeah. a beef, even a jerkier like just something to go with this this any, makes me want beef though any sort yeah. of great like meat over fire would be incredible with this and, yeah. and it, you're so that's such a good point Tom like Especially in the Oktoberfest tradition, like all of these beers were meant to be with food. It's it's right. like this like big feast, yeah. Right, where you're eating food and you're drinking beer and you're eating food and you're drinking beer. Like it would be like if we were just sampling like a cranberry, so- like a cranberry, a jarred cranberry sauce without the turkey next to it. Like who yeah. the fuck is no one's gonna? Yeah, eat? No, it serves that. no purpose. You know, it's, yeah. it's part of the feast. It brings the feast together. Right, and like this beer. Not not saying that this beer serves no purpose, but that's a, yeah. Stress that point that. You sh- if you're if you want to try this beer, have it with a nice dinner, and I think you'll get the best out of out of the beer, and yeah. it'll, it might make your meal taste smoked better. meat, some brisket, something like that. Oh, this yeah. would be out of this world wonderful. I'm curious to know what other cultures, especially European, because I feel like European beer culture just understands or has a better foundation for what I kind of look for and want American beer culture to be in terms of how the community aspect of it and and mainly because I'm just thinking these German style lagers you know the Lambic style beers I'm curious what the full intention is like is the beer the the centerpiece and of course at Oktoberfest absolutely it is um, so so this that kind of actually <laughs> puts a hole in my argument right there. No, but I, the I, think, time, I think actually you're right. I don't know if the if the beer is the focus of Oktoberfest. Right. I feel like the I feel like it the, might not be. I feel like the time and the being and the celebration exactly. is the focus, and then that's only enhanced by the beer and the food. So I think that goes with what you're saying exactly. And it's a perfect balance. It's and a it, balance of that food, that drink, the community, and but every piece of that also has it. Like that beer has its own balance within the overarching balance of the full event. I mean, I think just like with anything else, uh, with any other cultural thing that is good, America (laughs) takes one thing from it. Beer. Beer. We'll we'll, we'll take the beer. Yeah, we'll take the beer over here, but all of the community, all the fun, all the hanging out with people and all the good food, uh, we're going to forget about that. Just give us the beer. Like they, we just like to take good things from other cultures, which is, I mean, that's part of what makes America awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's what makes it great awesome. and shitty. Right. Exactly. I mean, there's because nothing's in. Curse. There's yeah. moderation. Right. And then there's what we do. Because <laughs> so, I, I mean, yeah. I don't think anyone who is actively involved with the real Oktoberfest uh, 
you know, celebration has any problem with these beers coming over here. But I think I think they would prefer that we know everything that's supposed to go with it, you know, because like that it all comes together in one piece as opposed to broken up into. Chunks. Right, right. Those not, soft like, pretzels. That's what I want. Yeah, that would be really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are called Bavarian pretzels. Oh, Just saying. Um, not to jump into you guys, but do you want me to read exactly like what a, a traditional Martzen is? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I'd love um, to. So a Martzen or a Martzen beer, which is actually German for March beer, uh, is a pale lager seasonal that originated in Bavaria. Again, that, that region's been coming up a lot recently. Uh, the beer was traditionally brewed in March, hence its name, and stored in caves before the summer weather made brewing lagers nearly impossible. Now, brewing was forbidden in summer, partially in fear of the simmering process's susceptibility for causing fires that could burn down full cities, and also the lack of technology, which made warm weather brewing difficult for fermenting the lagers. Because as we know with lagers, they need to be cool fermented yes they need to be fermented in a very cool way um as you can imagine people wanted beer in the summer so stockpiles were created and the martzen was born martzen um or march march beers we said was uh, brewed more strongly so that it could wouldn't spoil uh this stronger brew deliciously survived for longer and could be sold during summer as well into the autumn festival season which, uh, while the invention of the cooling machine by Carl Lindy in 1873 allowed brewers to do what they do best year-round, the Oktoberfest Martzen remained a favorite beer and to this day is freshly brewed year-round. That, sorry. Kind of cool, right? That might be my favorite beer origin story. Like, I, I mean, actually, no, because Lambics and, like, the spontaneous aspect of that are amazing, but that is a super cool historical uh you know background of yeah. of these beers and aging them in caves and of course just like because of the summer weather and all these you know it's really fascinating and uh, i i just think that the understanding of how beer is made how it should be made how it should be consumed there's there's a real strong understanding of it that i wish uh was something that we could adopt really yeah, yeah. Well, I, th- I think what's cool with like the Martzen specifically is like they brewed it at a higher ABV so that it would last. But it doesn't that sound familiar to the yeah, India Pale Ale? Yeah. yeah, totally. Exactly. It was brewed was at a higher thinking. ABV. That's so the that first could, thing I thought of. It could last the voyage to and, get to India. And to tie and to tie this in together, I mean, to go back to that saying, necessity is the mother of all invention. The mm-hmm. pumpkin beer. I mean, so it seems like almost all of these beers that we talk about are the answers to problems presented by that's great nature point. basically yeah. And, yeah. and humans availability persevering. availability temperature it's like yeah. all environmental yeah, yeah. totally and no, that's, that's a wicked good point <laughs> yeah it really is and and actually that's that's the one sliver of uh kind of the one bright point it's just like hey we invented the pumpkin beer yeah. And it served a purpose other than just being a beer. <laughs> and, then, like, and then they're going to look back at us 50 years later and they're going to be like, oh, people had really sweet palates back then, so they, they had to make pastry boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like, uh, I, I, it was out of necessity. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's just so cool to me to think about like 
There wasn't enough sugar in the American diet. Sorry. Yes. Well, there's sugar everywhere, and it's marketed to us in so many ways. Thanks, corn. Um, Could you imagine what the, like, 50 years from now, it's just, like, the necessity of, like, a cinnamon roll? It's like, well, I went to the local bakery, and they were out of cinnamon rolls, so I thought, how can I make something that's like a cinnamon roll so I put it in a beer? It's just like... <laughs> That's what, that's our desperation. Yeah, I know. It's like, because we don't have any real problems. Like, that's, I mean. Yeah, that's true. We don't run into the problems that they did. Like, well, we, we have our grain. We have our temperature. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we not, not to say that we don't have real problems as a society, but we don't have real problems as far as, like. Brewing. Brewing. Yeah. yeah I mean, everything. We're getting beer to people. Right. No, right. not at all. Because these styles are so simple. In, in a good way. I mean, in the best way possible, but, like, it is, it's a simple brewing practice that needs to be very precise at the same time, but, like, we have the technology to have the temperature be an optimal point. Yeah. So this beer can be consistent and the we, same every single time. We, yeah. we, we can overcome the problems that force these other brewers to turn to other solutions. All we have to do is turn a dial, exactly. tell a computer to do something differently, right. or unless you're home brewing, which you know. And I think that's why a lot of the brewers that we have the most respect for probably started on home systems because they have a more, they have a better understanding of how, the uh, you know of, the intuitiveness of the process. Absolutely, I, I will say what's what's interesting, is that, and I might have lost my point here while you were finishing yours. Um, yeah, I did. So, well, it will come back to you. No, it's not important. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we well, can let the Blue Jay speak while you. Are, you are, I hear, here. Let's, let's no, 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 no. I, I don't think it's important. Okay, honestly. Well, I can listen to what you said if you want me to jog your memory. I don't. Okay. I don't. Actually, what's the next one? It might just be next beer. <laughs> <laughs> next beer. Yeah. Which is fine. I, I don't know if I can. All right. Keller series. I don't even know what that is. Good to go, dog. Cool. All right. Beer number three on the uh, kind of traditional German style uh, Oktoberfest series that we have going on here today. So is excited. Jack's Abbey Keller series Munich style fest beer. Ugh. Uh what I love about this is just the hashtag drink lager on their yes. can also because like a Massachusetts brewery that is uh, telling you to drink a lager is something I can get behind. Well, that's what they do. It's that's, all they do. Yeah, it's all they do. And, and, and it's something I, it's great because and we've gotten to the point where we just want to drink lagers a yeah. lot of time because yeah, that's they're, all we want. and it's, it's a true, they do a great job staying true to the styles of beer. So it'll be interesting to pair this also with, uh, or not pair it, but compare it to some of the notes that we saw in the actual tradition German style lagers. Yeah, and I mean the the last time we had a Jack's Abbey on this on the podcast was that that uh, the hopped pills, the Nelson, the, the Nelson Brow, which I really liked, and I mean I, I that was a part of a, a mix pack, and they were all good, man. They were all they're they're beers because they're not trying to do too much. I have it in my fridge right now. Oh, you got one of those? I got the the Galaxy Brow, and yes. the Mosaic Brow, Dude, and the Nelson awesome. Brow. I can't wait to drink them. They're so good. That's the Woo. kind of pack of beer that I like would be most apt to get. I feel like four different hops, twelve ounce cans, I believe. Yep. Three different hops, and then they put in their oh. Haponius Union, which is their IPL. Oh, okay, yeah, which is a, yeah. you know a solid beer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to get a good variety of hops and uh, twelve ounce cans, crushable. 
you know, it's funny because if it's in 12 ounce cans, I'm probably still more apt to have two versus a one 16 ounce can, <laughs> yeah. which makes no sense. Yeah. I know, but I mean, it kind of makes sense to, all right, quick tangent, just cause Treehouse recently posted about their 12 ounce cans. Do you know, do you know anything about that, that they were selling 12 ounce bottles of some things, which I thought was really weird. Did you see that? Of green? Yeah, it's green. And it was oh, like bottles, bottles. Yeah. They were like, like your traditional like Sam Adams style bottles yeah. too, like you know traditional really like, just weird brown does, bottle. doesn't that speak to distro to you like I don't understand like I mean I guess it I think doesn't. they're just messing around I think they're I think they just like to they mess just around got with things yeah, yeah or, or they were or they got like a bottler and they were trying it out okay because I mean True. I, I you know. liked how their 12 ounce cans looked like I mean they have such a massive brand appeal at this point that they don't have to put any text on the can it was literally just their logo yeah, and um, but yeah, not that I want to talk about Treehouse, but I, I like that's kind of big news, like, and and it's dumb news, like oh they they're selling cans with four ounces less beer in it, but like at the same time, I don't know, maybe I, that makes the price point better, which uh, makes more sense for this market. Yeah, you know, like yeah, instead of spending a, a buck twenty on a twenty four or a, a case, you're getting like, I don't know, maybe they can make it eighty bucks. I want a Treehouse thirty rack. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh my god, a case race of that! Wow, you'd be I, dead. Yeah, what would the you? Funeral home. Oh, we can't die. I was gonna say, what would you choose as your one? But we can't dive into treehouse too much. No, no. Uh, Jack's yeah. happy. Sorry. Let's. About that. Uh, so before we even take a sip, let's talk about the differences between a, a traditional Martzen and a Fest beer. Okay. Okay. So according to the BJCP, which I have no idea what that is, uh, Martzen is an elegant, malty German amber lager with clean, rich, toasty, and bready malt flavor, uh, restrained bitterness, and a dry finish that encourages another to drink. Fest beer, by comparison, is described as less intense and less richly toasted than a Martzen. Uh, classic Marzen should be a little darker, a, a little richer, a little heavier, and a little higher in alcohol than Fest beer. Because uh, basically, Marzen is just a little more. The switch to a lighter Fest beer occurred specifically to allow Oktoberfest attendees to drink more beer. <laughs> yes. And there you have it. See? Necessity is the mother of all. <laughs> I, uh, I hate to be this guy. But I like the Jack Savvy more than the traditional. I think I like, and that Ooh, might be a, that uh, might be a style thing because we didn't have a traditional fest beer from Germany. Uh, we also didn't have a tri- we didn't have one of the uh, Martzens from one of those six breweries that are only allowed true. to brew. That's a fest. great point. So you know we we didn't dive into the total like beginning origin traditional roots. But having said that, those beers are great. But this, this is beer is just so crushable. The- the wave of breadiness that just wiped out the smokiness from the last beer. Oh my god! That it was like it was like a a magical thing. I just it's had got my that first sip. I agree, Justin. Tad, it's like it tastes like a session Marzen, if that makes sense. It's well, like it's got that, it, which is essentially like it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's less. It's uh, and a Marzen's it, more. It's got that like tad bit of sweetness that we were getting from the Marzen. And is this uh, hopped? I'm sure there's some kind of hops like, in it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's a bittering hop in yeah, the mash. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it tastes more like floral. Like a German bittering hop. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I... It's like floral, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's nice. It's like... Oh, this gorgeous. This, this is the best beer we've drank. Yeah, it today, is. Today, by it far. Is. Like, yeah, the most is. balanced beer. You said crushable. I agree. Balanced, crisp, light, delicious. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, a nice flavor 
a pervasive flavor, but it doesn't take over. It's neutral, too. You could have this with any type of food. But you're right. It it also took that smoky right out. It's gone. Yeah, it's gone. I can't even remember where that smoke came from. (laughs) (laughs) It took over the palate cleanse of the day. Yeah. This is a... I mean, it wasn't the scheduled palate cleanse, was (laughs) it? Don't jump ahead, boys. (laughs) (laughs) It's got uh, almost a... Sometimes I get this from German lagers, and I don't really know enough about the tasting notes, not having uh, really been around the production of them a lot, or you know, we don't we haven't we don't dive into them as much as uh, or in the past we haven't. But it's almost a little floral. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. definitely. I don't know how better to describe that, it. That's it's, that's why I asked. Like, like, is it hopped? You know, sp- like. Uh, you know, differently than whatever we've been drinking earlier. Right. But I mean, not having the answers to that question makes it hard to say, but it's definitely, it definitely has a lighter, more, um, I don't know. It just doesn't, to me, this beer doesn't scream October. You know what I mean? No, it doesn't. It screams September to the first uh, weekend of October, which is when I can But in all honesty, like it's, it, it screams summer to me to a certain extent. Yeah. It's, it's super crushable. A lot um, of Jack's I, Abbey beers to me. No, I, I, and I mean, all uh, of Jack's Abbey. I disagree. I think that because of the robustness of this flavor, if we didn't just have two very intense That's beers before, point. Yeah. That's it would true. have been much more pervasive to you as someone who's had this beer mm-hmm. and in very co- grateful for it. In comparison. Before. Right, in like comparison. I've had it, yeah, exactly. But I've also had it not right after a smoke beer, which exactly. might not have been the best pairing, guys. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, um, I mean, it's good contrast, though. I, I totally agree. But, like, this feels this way because of how intense that last beer was. Okay. Yeah. No, but I this get has, that. like, a very nice character that I think is more fall-specific, but I completely understand what you guys are, are saying and that it, like, feels like a... I don't think it's as light as I'm giving it credit for right now because no. as I'm like as you say that but and I'm like kind of trying to take a step back Session's and I'm like okay it's light but compared to the other ones because like and of course my first thought goes to the Nelson Brow the the other one I'm like that was super light and, and that is more of a like really drinkable crisp ale and this is but more this like has six percent alcohol in it. yeah exactly yeah that that's is what I'm saying so like this beer is hiding that six percent very well pretty damn this, well this yeah. could like destroy you if you mm-hmm. had a lot of these uh, <laughs> something that's cool about this and I only know because I talked to one of the guys who works at Julio's. Uh, our local uh, distribution, the new guy, liquor store. Yeah, the new what, guy. What's his name again? His name's Jason. Jason. He seems quite cool, very knowledgeable. He said that this beer was brewed specifically for Jack of Jack's Abbey. Wow! Because he recently had a birthday. Oh, very cool. And he asked for just something delicious, crushable, and uh, yummy. And Amazing. this is what they made. Do we is know that how... new this year? Is this beer new this year? That's new this year, and this like style that they're doing is like. A new thing that they're doing. And this one's very specific because it's Munich, which means they were using like a Munich malt. Munich malt, yeah, which okay. is very special malt. Okay, like special. Special wine. because it's um, it's just there, there's a long tradition of like making it. Okay, and you could only get it. In so it's Munich. probably more expensive. Well, it's got yeah. Be. Well, I mean, actually, I might, that might be wrong. You might not be able to only get it in Munich, but I know you need to follow specific properties in order for it to be specifically Munich malt. Right. Yeah. This is, you know, this it's relevant. But do do either of you guys know how how long Jack's Abbey has been around? Because I feel like I feel like they've been kind of they're they're borderline like one of those legacy brewers in this area that we've yeah. been talking about. But I'm not sure how long. I feel like Sarah and I went there when they were in the old brewery. 
So before they were in the new one with the huge beer hall. In Framie. No, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. it was like two miles away from the, the newer one. It's where, um, who's there now again? Um, S- not Springdale. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, the... No, the... Uh, Lamplighter. Exhibit A. Exhibit A is Yeah, Exhibit A. Exhibit A Brewing. Good 2011. Good. They were founded in 2011, so not they're coming really up on their... not that long ago. Wow. No. But they're I coming up on 10 years? Yeah, that's... I, I kind of... They've come a long way in 10 years. Kind of what I'd expect, but having said that, I've kind of, at the same time, always just acknowledged Jack's Abbey as kind of always being there. Me, yeah, yeah, me too. That's Which what I, is, I thought they were at least early 2000s. Like, interesting, yeah. I feel like a lot, for a while, when I was really into this craft beer, I was like... I wasn't giving them the credit they deserve. Oh, no. no me me and neither. I, and I regret it so much now, like, drinking how much I drink a lot of Jack's Abbey now. And, yeah. like, oh, man, what a what a huge fuck up. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty excited because uh, my new job is in Framingham. So, oh, you dude. know, when I, if I ever am not working from home in the future, dude. that beer hall is it's, everything it's, I think. And, and this is tying this back to Oktoberfest. Um, you know, they have Bavarian pretzels there, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, they, uh, it's this giant beer hall. Um, and, you know, they have German-style lagers on tap. That's all they essentially do. And they have a very warm, welcoming beer hall. And it's just like, even, I've never been to Oktoberfest, but whenever I walk into that beer hall, I'm like, this is kind of what I feel like is yeah. the closest thing that I've gotten yeah, to that. That's the it vibe captures the vibe for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's yep. um, and so if you if you've never been to, they have really good food too. Oh my god, yeah, really, th- their pizza is really good. Yeah, um, and also if you're not in the mood for some of the Jack's Abbey's offering, you know, Springdale, that gives you kind of everything that they don't do, and and. Springdale, Springdale doesn't get a lot of respect either when you think about it. Like their it, bottles sit on shelves and they're good. What's those, amazing about Springdale is they started to be a they want to be a barrel program, but in the meantime, because of course that takes time to barrel age beers, they started brewing hoppy IPAs. Yeah. But their IPAs were really good. Yeah. Uh it's you know, a testament to how good that brewery is, really. They are. Agreed. Next beer. So next up we have Deciduous uh, by Trillium. This is the 2018 variant. Uh, I believe every year they kind of change it up. Um, is this, this a fall beer? This is a fall beer. Deciduous. As you can it, tell, there's a fall leaf on it. A big old uh, leaf. This leaf. is probably the most fall version of this beer they've had. It's a big beer. <laughs> it's a, an American strong ale with fig, cacao nibs, and vanilla. Yeah. So, I mean, there was another... Too. Yeah, it's a big bottle. It's a bomber. So here we go, 12.5%. Oh, my God. Um, this is death. Cheers to you, boys. <laughs> last beer. Cheers, boys. Yeah, last Wait, beer. Uh, really, the you know a lot of fall flavors here, though. Uh, this is, I don't know about you, but figs. I love dank. figs. It is so boozy smelling on the nose. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm multi. not sure if I already said this. If I did, I'm sorry, but it's the 2018. Right. So this has been sitting in my basement for two years. Oh, Probably not optimal. Temperatures. So you said it was uh, 12.8 when it's bottled. Uh, 12.5. So it's probably 13 by now. Is there is this barrel aged anyway or no? I don't believe it is. Okay. It's interesting because if you look at the foam on the top, it is uh, not white or off-white like you'd normally see. It it's is golden. Yeah. Golden or like burnt. Right. Burnt umber. It's got a, a very caramelly key. nose. It does. Um, yeah. I, I guess that I was kind of conflating booziness with, with that that flavor. Sometimes strong ales to me smell this way. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's true. Um, 
it's a little it's a little fruit like I actually Whoa. I think I like it Whoa. Um, there's a lot going on there it's so wow it's so viscous wow. it's very like I, I, I get like cho- dark chocolate and cherries I don't know about you oh, oh it's man. good have you guys ever had like the uh, like the the caramel pudding? No. What's that called? Snack packs? Yeah, like the snack pack. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard the caramel ones. Baby, I thought I was your snack pack. <laughs> Honey, you are. But like, this is the no, that, other one. That's from, that's from an Adam Sandler movie. Oh, sorry. I was just I was in character. But no, no. Sometimes they have like the the it, it's uh, it's like a caramel color. And this tastes to me exactly like that. Really? Like it, that's where it takes me. Being a kid or a 24-year-old and eating this. I love that the word <laughs> snack pack was said. <laughs> this, this beer is a snack pack for tones. Trillium it snack is, pack. It, it, it's kind of like a, a burnt caramel flavor. Yeah. Really, a really good one, too. Yeah. I, I got to say, um, it's Deciduous mm. is an interesting uh, beer. At Trillium, I know the first year I was at Trillium, it was a hoppy brown ale, which I loved because it was just different and it had, you know, this different flavor profile with the hop still, of course, that you get in a lot of Trillium ales. The next year was the dankest double IPA that was uh, very, very good. And then, so that was 2017. Now to 2018, uh, we have we have this version of Deciduous. I forget what was 2019. There might have been a barrel aged version of this. I could be totally wrong there. Uh, and then this year, I believe they went back to a double IPA. Interesting. That's- I'd like to make a correction to my last snack pack comment. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up, and what I was referring to was actually the butterscotch pudding snack pack, Ooh, which is yes, yes. much more on the nose. This right. is a butterscotch snack pack pudding. Right. Pack. And I actually, it really is. I actually knew that that's what you were talking about because I remember the Ugh. multiple flavors because they used to make the one that was, it was a, oh my God, the fucking chocolate, vanilla chocolate. Swirl. Oh, yes. That snack pack got me rock hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Snack packs were dope. Like, Honestly, we should have a snack pack podcast. We should have a snack pairing? Yeah. Or just like, no, screw no, just beer. Like, we're we, just, don't, we're just, we don't talk about beer anymore. We just talk about snack packs. We just talk about <laughs> just different snack pack varieties. No. I mean, I think we could do 12 episodes. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about it. I guess we could do a spinoff of Jell-O. Oh, which yeah. is owned by the same company, definitely. Yeah. Um, but anyways, <laughs> sorry about that. But this is for me, like it's really good, beautiful butterscotch pudding, and I'm loving it. It's uh, it's really good. I, I wish I remembered what it tasted like two years ago. I remember we kind of liked because we definitely drank it together. But I remember we kind of liked it. Probably didn't love it. I, like I said, I love figs. I really wish there was kind of more of a fig flavor to this. I feel like some of that sweetness. Uh, I attribute it to the fig. Um, might not be, though. It could just be that. Uh, but, I mean, it's fig, cacao nibs, and vanilla. The sweetest thing out of that is the fig. It is a pretty sweet, strong ale. Mm-hmm. And you really don't get... I don't know. We don't drink many strong ales. So this is kind of different. It has characteristics of a no, stout. No, I'm so glad you brought this in because, like... I when I think of strong ales, I think more of like you know the, the like the late fall into winter, you know because of like how high the alcohol content is. I really think of that as like a shift in uh, temperature. Keeps you like warm. a good time exactly. This is a warming beer. Yeah, uh, and this one's like very enjoyable because of those different flavors that you're getting. Wow. And 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 it's one of those beers where the flavor there's not one flavor that jumps out at you. 
and and takes it over it's all of them coming together to make a really nice like and, and that's what creates that butterscotch flavor yeah, in my very opinion. well said it's like all those things coming together to form this like one overall yeah. vibe. Yeah. And that new flavor that happens to taste like an excellent butterscotch flavor that you're referring to, like mm. that's something with a beer like this that I don't think they ever plan. And when it turns out like that, yeah, may- maybe they didn't want it to taste like butterscotch, but the fact that it tastes like really good butterscotch, is it's not a bad thing. It's like a happy it's, accident. Yeah, yeah, it is. But like also that's the luck component that goes into like when you brew a beer and bottle it. And it's not like a hop forward beer that you know is going to kind of die after a while. Yeah, where it will go, the one that's exciting compliment I, I, I will say to that for sure is that a lot of times when you put these adjuncts in beer, you don't know what's going to fall off, what you're going to get. There's a lot of unity here, and even though you right. don't know what you're going to get, you brewed a, a high quality beer that's um, yeah, you know, has unity. Even though it evolves, it still is. It has some kind of identity. But I, we got to give them credit for having this kind of unity in a strong ale. Yeah, who where does they took, that? Like, no one takes a strong ale and it's like, hey, I'm going to put these like these types of adjuncts. Like, you might put other ones, right? Right. But I feel like that's a very, like, a strong ale is like, to me, it's like almost European in that, like, I tend to think of it often having more of like that bubblegum, that Brett kind of character to it, you know? Like, I think of like doubles or triples. And maybe I'm talking about something that's not the same that's super interesting but that's where my brain goes when i think strong ales that's so interesting that you go there i don't know if my brain goes anywhere with strong ales because that's how (laughs) infrequent i drink them that's yeah um because that's not at all and i understand why you associate with the it's a weird association yeah because it's like it's i it's crazy when i think of doubles and triples i think of allagash personally um just because you know (laughs) That's what they do. Because they do them very well. Um, strong ales, though. Like, who does that? I, I mean, when I think of... And, and they're probably not related. You guys can answer this. But, like, when I think of, like, strong ales, I think of barley wines. And oh. not, not that they're... I mean, they're similar, but they're yeah, not the same. That makes sense to that's me. That's smart. And that's probably... That probably makes a lot more sense, <laughs> to be honest, than, like, what I was just saying. And, and maybe that's just me, like, reading, like, a beer no. menu... I like I, I feel like this this whole thing that I'm talking about right now like formed from like being a very young beer drinker who didn't know a lot and like literally just read like the um, the beer menu at um, the Boynton. Okay. And because like I read like double triple and then like and then like right after it was like strong ale I like just lumped them all together and that okay. honestly would make the most sense of with beer association which is crazy that we're doing this on a podcast <laughs> it's, it's crazy because I think I, I agree with that and there's I have similar um, associations like that and I think it's I personally put them in a category of like I don't know much about this yeah so they're just over here yeah. that's fair um and and I, I want sense. to because in I mean kind of like I don't think I'm gonna ever really get into drinking strong ales on a regular basis but uh like this has great character this has yeah. um and, and I appreciate that it's a non-lactose but it has this great creamy aspect to it mm. uh yeah it has a very nice mouthfeel yeah, not it does. one that I would like. Very attribute to a strong ale. No, this seems like it's a stout. Almost. This Twelve point like five percent. That's terrifying because I taste no booze on this. No I know booze. you're right. I couldn't. I could not drink the whole bottle by myself. But I mean, the flavors are too robust. I mean, forget the alcohol. It's just the flavors. Are, this beer is meant to be sipped. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And, I, and, and like, we're probably drinking too much of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you I know. think you I just opened, split this between six because people. it's it's. 
my palate's gone. Like, I will taste nothing else except this. <laughs> Interesting. You know? I actually, it hasn't blasted my palate yet, um, which... I mean, um, the lingering, like, it starts off as butterscotch with the full complexity, and then it, like, goes into, like, almost a burnt caramel that, like, stays yeah. on my tongue. Yep, for sure. This is a biased point of view, but this is actually one of... This is a beer, and I'm not going to say it's one of... This beer has shocked me more than other beers have in the past, recent in, in recent memory. And I think that's partially because it brings up some nostalgia feels working at Trillium for me. Yeah. Um, 2018 was a good year for you. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I don't remember what else happened. <laughs> I just made a general statement hoping that you'd be like, yeah, and here's some reasons for it. Tony, Tony, <laughs> no, I've, I've, you know, Tony has I, a, a, a document uh, outlining your life, and he yeah. did 2018 <laughs> for you. That was a good one. You know what else I, was really great for you? 1996. Another Probably. Good year. Another good year for I you. I was four. What could go wrong? Q, Q4 2020. Q4 2020. Been, honestly, I hate to say 2020. <laughs> yeah. It's been a good year for me. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> hot but, take. Hot take. But um, this beer, I remember opening actually another bottle of this, probably with you guys, but I also opened one, I believe, on Thanksgiving uh, with my with my family. Uh you know, it's got some great fall characteristics, a good Thanksgiving beer. Um, it's rich, it's sweet, got a lot of flavor. And you can share it. And you and you have to share it. Because if <laughs> you, you don't, must. you're a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're yeah, going to have a, a bad time. And it's you're going to have a, whenever you start drinking that, you're going to have a tough rest of your day. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're in a French fry when you should have pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's that mean? I don't follow this. That is a skiing reference from South Park where you're, if you're French oh, frying, no, you're going you. down the hill too you. fast. But if you pizza, you can slow yourself That's a little fair. bit. You're going to have a bad time. <laughs> I follow. Uh, speaking of fall, just like anything you guys love about this season, especially here in New England. I mean, we have the foliage. We talk about that I mean, all the time. Just because you brought up foliage, just let me get this out of the way because this is the only thing I'm going to talk about. The foliage every year especially as I get older gets better every year and I and, and this year I had this thought like I'm driving through a painting almost anywhere I drive in Massachusetts like I'm driving through a fucking painting and That's you have to appreciate so that cool. you have to appreciate that because I mean it's so fleeting I was gonna I was gonna fly my my fucking nerd drone and get cut like some nice foliage shots I did that last year I didn't even really have time to do it this year because the weather wasn't conducive to doing that and then you know two weeks of a lot of windy weather and the foliage is gone it's that fleeting like yeah definitely enjoy it when you can like there's still a little, a little bit of it left but um yeah i love fall in new england i mean i i love new england and fall and even the beginning of winter is why but anything after it starts really snowing. I fucking hate. So yeah, after the Super Bowl, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I totally agree with you about the foliage. Like, and maybe it's just because this year, like, we've been a lot more present and a lot more like thoughtful about things. That like taking that break from just like go 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 to like actually look. Like, I could not agree more. Like, I was fortunate enough to get like married during this time, yeah. and like being on my honeymoon, being in a place where I, I've grown up and, and been my whole life, like seeing it through new eyes, like not just as like a husband, but also like as a person, like seeing the trees as we drove up, as we drove around, like sitting, looking at a beautiful lake with like all of the trees. 
you said it perfectly when you're like it's like driving through a painting like i i agree because you can't you can't separate it with your brain to be like those are trees you know they just like they kind of like they they grow into one another to form this like painting and they almost look like strokes yeah that's it's that's a very vivid description for me and i couldn't agree more like i love it now and it's like it's like colors that you don't even think are real sometimes like you'll see and and you'll see one of my favorite things is you'll see trees that are clearly planted all at the same time and they'll be the exact same color and then you'll see one tree that's standing on its own that makes a color that none of the other trees around it have have made and that just burst the contrast I, everything about fall I love and yeah. it sounds so fucking dumb but no. it's, it's amazing it doesn't sound dumb at all it's, it's, Not, it sounds actually like really yeah. important like what you're saying is important it's important to me because it, it like validates my experience Oh, I'm glad that you guys, I mean, this this year has been great. Similar to that, and I, I think, Tony, you hit the nail on the head when you said we pay attention to it more. So one of my totally off topic from beer, but very associated with fall, my personal goals is hiking the 48, 4,000 uh, foot or 4,000 foot mountains in New Hampshire. Right. Uh, yeah. And I started that last fall and going up there, finding the peace, the quiet, the beauty that is fall in New England, uh, the cool, crisp mornings, you know, starting a hike at 35 degrees on a, you know, Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Uh, and this is, that's what I now associate with fall because it's kind of what I've made it to be. Yeah. Um, but really, I hate to say this because like the foliage is just like, it's so amazing. Like it really is, and I, you know, not to be those those leaf peepers, and it's kind of funny that you know, that we're well, now we, we live know, here. We're not leaf peepers. Yeah, we're not. We're we here. live here. We see it, and and honestly, like I didn't appreciate and acknowledge it for so so long, and I feel like definitely this year, in years past for sure, but definitely this year, it is. I, I remember one day specifically driving home from the cave and being like, I've never seen leaves like this in my life. Yeah. I've never seen beauty like this, and uh, it's really the maple trees for me, the, the the change that they make. And, of course, now the, the maple trees are shedding their leaves, uh, which is sad. They're the last to go. They're the, right? yeah. I think oaks might the be. oaks? Yeah, the oaks, oaks are, are the last to go. go. Gotcha. Um, but the colors that a maple tree gives off are pfft, just, you got to see it, and it's crazy you know any listeners out there beyond the new england region uh, it's a stereotype for sure to come yeah. look at new england leaves but yeah. like i can't imagine not seeing it like we take it for granted we right. do it's we worthwhile do. for sure it's definitely worthwhile and if especially you can go even further up to the new hampshire region yeah away from it all and you get that peace the quiet and the beauty and nothing to st- disturb that that's but what i love for me the other thing is like if, if i didn't live here and, it, and, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously have an interest in beer. If I lived out of state and I wanted to try some New England beers, I would come in the fall. Not not just because, um, you know, it's a good time to vacation in general. And, and not that it would be ideal to go to a place that's generally colder. But you get the foliage. There's plenty of great beer to drive. And as you're driving through the states of New England... To go to different breweries, you know, you're not gonna be missing out on anything. You're gonna be experiencing something rather than absolutely like like say you visit New York City for breweries, which they have their 
own share of amazing breweries. If you go in the fall, yeah, you might get to have just as much good beer, but you're not going to like live in this like beautiful environment. You're not going to get to experience this beautiful environment um, that that we get here in New England. And it's it's corny, but there's there's a reason why so many people go there because yeah. it's it is nice. There's I something think, about it. I think as we get older, we we recognize that it's not corny. You know, and I, yeah. I think for me, at least me specifically, and kind of what I'm hearing from both of you guys is that we've come to a point in our life where, like, it's finally important. Yeah. And, like, for whatever reason, like, and I'm speaking for myself, like, I've just, I've been on autopilot for so long. Like, I just go through it and I hear the chatter, right? Like, the leaves, the leaves, the leaves. And it's just yeah. like, you do take it for granted. You're like, okay, they're there and they're they're nice. But you don't ever, like, take that moment to, like, remove yourself from that <laughs> that autopilot you're in to, like actually view it and i feel like this year at least from what i'm hearing from you guys is that like we've all really seen it with like new eyes and that's kind of beautiful and that's really exciting there's a lot of shit going on yeah you know there's there's and i think to be able to i think it's important for everyone to take a step back and appreciate the small things and i'm glad that we all have because i think it's (laughs) you know you have to to get by really um we're at a we're at a point right now where it's very important to do that to get by so to see those beautiful things that are all around us um and it just makes you appreciate what you have to a certain extent yeah uh, and to see that experience it and appreciate it it's it's a nice thing yeah i, I mean my my thing is like um no, i forgot what i was gonna say no i understand i mean there's so much that goes through all of this, you know, but I, I think this leads us to a good place. I think we've talked about some important things. Oh, just before. Okay. So what I was going to say is like before winter, which, you know, winter is obviously beautiful too. seeing all the trees covered in snow. It has a similar thing to fall, Definitely. but fall, I, to me, fall gives you something more. And it's like the last seasonal thing before like the absolute death that winter brings. Yeah. <laughs> and I, no, it's like, like I, the I, removal of, right. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that is like the clean, like when you see the white, outside your window it's like time to move on to the next season yeah and there's something like especially as i get older every year it's like like when when wild raspberries are are in blackberries are flowering and i get excited about that and then when i smell grapes when i'm driving yeah right before the, the trees start to change color then I'm like, really, is like, oh, that's my favorite. And then finding grapes and eating them, like Concord grapes, absolutely, so good. Glad you, like, glad you said that because I, that's a, like, one of my sneaky, favorite things about New absolutely. Island. When you like, you like, you go for a walk or something, you smell the, those grapes, and you're just like, where the fuck are they? Yeah, and then <laughs> you, you, you grab and a couple and you keep walking. Yeah. And it's like amazing. Well, that's one thing I'm really like so lucky about being friends with you, Justin, specifically, is that you've like shown that to me. I never knew that was a thing in my whole life until we like went on our walks just at random times, like this time of year, and it was like. Oh my God, that smell is incredible. Yeah, it's like candy. You know, like we we always drive through things. We like go through so fast and like taking the time to just like pick a fruit and try it. And and it all relates back to beer. You're you're tapping into your senses to uh, to understand what your brain recognizes as something that's good. Yeah. And then like obviously just eating the grape is one thing. But then there's people that will incorporate those grapes into a, a beer or a wine or whatever. And that's just, I, th- I think what's really nice about beer is that it like takes us away from all of that autopilotness, like that, like go, 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 go nature. When we come together, it's like, we're going to let time like move the way it should. 
yeah. which is like a minute to minute basis together in the moment. Exactly. And we're all present. We're here. We're not thinking about what's due tomorrow or what I have to get to or what time I need to go to bed. It's just like we're here. We're drinking that beer. So yeah. I think this is a great way to just kind of move into our conclusions about yeah. like yeah. all of our thoughts about fall in New England and fall in the world and the beers that we drink and associate um, final thoughts. Anyone want to start? I'll, I'll take it away and just say, yeah, I, I agree with Jack Sabby with the hashtag drink lagers. <laughs> no, just kidding. But, but not really, actually. It's, you know, I think it's, it's a good moment to take a step back, realize what you have, uh, appreciate what you have. And I know we've kind of, we've gone on a lot of different topics here from pumpkin beer to Oktoberfest to now just kind of fall in New England. Yeah. Uh, and through all of those things, it's kind of looking at community to start kind of community to continue and then just kind of realizing what you have around you um overall i think just as a society and as a, a people i know the three of us really like to appreciate the small things and yeah. i think that's an important part of everyone's life and hopefully you know listening to this podcast and, and drinking these beers with us, you can uh, learn and appreciate those things, but also feel that sense of community that we are trying to uh, show as well. Yeah. I think, you I think like fall is a big time of transition, right? Like we're moving from the, the warmth that we feel of summer into the potential cold. We're about to feel of fall. I mean, of uh, winter, especially here in new England, like, Transition times can be scary. They can we can try to fill them with certain things to keep our minds off them, or we can try to be present. And I think from our conversation today, we've been very present. I think um, a lot about what makes fall beautiful is like the little things, right? The smell of the leaves that fall uh, from the trees under the ground, and yes, they are slowly rotting, but that smell is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And what does that mean? That means we're transitioning. Um, these subtle beers that we drink during this time, like some of those Marzins we have, certainly that delicious Fest beer from Jags Abbey, those are subtle. Subtlety, I think, is a part of fall, and I think that's what makes it really great. Um, so just be present and try to be there with your folks that it you care about. Yeah, no, that's well said because I was I was more or less going to say exactly what you said where it's just like, you know, when you're in summer, it feels like it's never going to end. Like, it's just like everything's bright, everything's green. It Summer is a long season. I mean, I may, maybe it's just as long as winter, and, but for, to me it feels longer. Yeah. But then fall gives you that, tran like you said, that transitional period where it does force you to stop and appreciate the little things because the whole that whole warm summer gets turned on its head in a matter of a month or a month and a half and so what you've been used to for th three to four months is changing at a at a rate that's four to six times faster than anything that you've been used to for that time leading up to that so you know I, that transitional period and how, how it relates to beer i mean i think it just opens the door to like different beers that you're not going to drink in the summertime you're you're drinking ipas in the summertime lagers pilsners you know things things that are refreshing but also that taste really good when it's hot and as soon as you get that little bit of cold weather those other beers start to lend themselves to to the environment and and especially these beers that we had today the the historical aspect of it you know that lends that gives you another aspect to kind of latch on to but I don't know. I, I love fall in Massachusetts, uh, uh, New England in general, but 
yeah, that's kind of all I have to say about it. Yeah, I think those are great words, and I really appreciate you guys this time and every time. But happy fall to you, and yeah, happy, happy fall. Thanksgiving. Happy yeah, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate you. Uh, Thankful for you. Yeah, I think this wraps up the episode on fall, and uh, we specifically here at the Canada Podcast love you. Gobble me, swallow me, put gravy on the side of me. You don't want to be using no knife like that. No? No, you want to use, like, uh, one of them battle axes. Ooh, the battle action.